Today on Locked On Canadians, we try to walk a mile in Kent Hughes' shoes. Uh, we are going to talk about our trade deadline do's, don'ts, and a wish list, and that's coming up in just one moment on Locked On Canadians. Your Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to episode 545 of Locked On Canadians, your first listen of the day. My name is Laura Saba. I'm one of your hosts, and I'm joined, as always, by Scott Matla of Habs Eyes on the Prize. And today I am stealing Scott's episode content idea, and we're going to be talking about the trade deadline, the rebuild, and what Kent Hughes had to say about it, what we would do if we were in his shoes. Scott, how are you doing today? And thank you for that topic idea. <laughs> One, there is no stealing of ideas because we are a we are co-hosts of this podcast and <laughs> Laura comes up with most of our off-the-cuff content that I happily steal when I'm hosting the show. So uh, it's about time that I kind of pull my own weight and help repay the favor on that. But I'm doing pretty well. The Rocket just scored a big 4-2 victory over the Utica Comets. It was a real fun game. Uh, recap up on Habs Eyes on the Prize in the morning. Goals are up on my Twitter feed. Uh, it's a good way to kick off a Canadian list week so far. Yeah, the, the, the Canadians have been off and it has been much less chaotic and stressful than off, off moments or off weeks uh, during Bergevin's tenure. Everybody knows right now that this is a team in flux. There's a new general manager. There's a whole new front office in town. And uh, Kent Hughes has been pretty accessible with the media so a lot of the information that we've received has been from his media availabilities he talked to Pierre Lebrun in The Athletic he talked to Arpin and Marc-Antoine of The Athletic and we kind of have an idea of uh, sort of what he wants to do he is very very pragmatic he did say that it's not going to be an overnight process you know you're not going to magically turn this team around he believes in rebuilding in that he wants to restore the canadians into you know to to back to where they were when they were a good team but he did mention a couple of times to multiple outlets uh, that he didn't want to go the arizona coyotes route he's not interested in blowing everybody up but there are players that are available and they are available for the taking if they if they come with the right price, right? So what Scott wanted to do is we, you know, we love trade deadline speculation here. We like informed guesses and conversation and things like that. So the first thing that we wanted to do was in this segment, we wanted to talk about a don't trade list or a trade list. Do you want to start with a trade list? I feel like don't trade a shorter. I think so too. So I think maybe doing the trade list first is probably the right idea. And because we know some of the names who are going to be on there and a lot more of the potential names that will be on there based on their contract status. So do you want me to kick that off, Laura? Absolutely. I know you've been thinking about this all day. All right. So I am Kent Hughes. I am the Canadians general manager. Jeff Gordon is standing somewhere menacingly behind me in here somewhere, or he's getting he's got a, a baby face. He's not menacing. Uh, he he's got a build that looks like I have been in a street fight at one point, and I'm not going <laughs> to doubt him on that. I'm sure he is a wonderful, kind human being, but you look at Hughes and Gordon together and Gordon is just this big built man. And Kent Hughes is a little bit more, uh, slender and it looks like a mafia don being 
led around by his capo everywhere. He, <laughs> he is the Clemenza to Don Corleone, basically, is um, what I have the, the relationship as. Uh, Godfather but, references, I do like it. <laughs> I was going to say, I, why Why not? It's almost 50 years old at this point, which is not a fact I wanted to say out loud, but here we are. <laughs> so uh, I think the biggest thing is, on if I am Kent Hughes on my trade list, Ben Sherratt's all but gone. Like that's, that is my number one thing right now. Get the value that you can for him. And I think there are teams calling for him. There are, we know there are multiple teams interested in him. And my first thought is he's got to be tops on that list too. move him out. He's an expiring UFA three and a half million dollars. They always overpay for those kind of players at the deadline. Remember Douglas Murray got traded for two seconds and, Ben Sherrod is at least marginally better than Douglas Murray is, at least at this point in his career. I think that with both of those players, it's all about what the opposing GM sees, like the way that they mythologize the player. There's a lot of GMs out there that like a big bruising guy. They like a stay-at-home defenseman. They like a guy that they envision standing right in front of the goalie and clearing the crease of the opponent. And I totally get that. So you kind of have to think that some of the GMs that love this type of player, they're going to overpay. And here's the thing, like Ben Sherratt, I'm a fan, you know, you know, I've mentioned how many times I, I, I like his like big lumbering him bonus on the, on the, on the Canadians. He did a lot in the, in the playoff run. We did enjoy that. He's very handsome. We will miss that, but uh, he's definitely the kind of player that you don't look at as your long-term core of your team. It's okay to let him go. Thank you and get some value for him and send him somewhere. Like, you know, the teams that are going to be looking for him are teams that are probably expecting to make a run at the playoffs. So, you know what? Good luck, Ben. Thank you for the memories and enjoy. And I think he's definitely tops on the list simply because of the way GMs mythologize. So that to me, and, and, you know, as fans, we can be sorry to see him go as the fans, but not necessarily sorry to see him go for the business side of it. And, and that actually leads me kind of my next one here is that someone that I don't think a lot of people have talked about as a potential outgoing piece, someone like Chris Weidman's on a league minimum contract, does well operating on the power play. I know the Habs power play isn't very good, but he has the mobility and the skill set to be appealing to teams there as a fifth, sixth defenseman instead of a third, fourth defenseman like he is in Montreal right now. And when he goes, it opens up a spot for someone like a Sammy Niku, a uh, Josh Brook, if he gets back up to speed in Laval. And alongside that, there's also Brett Kulak. They're expiring UFA contracts. They're a little bit older. And Kulak is the kind of guy a smart team adds, a Tampa Bay, a Carolina. <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> I don't want it to be, but at the same time, I, I said this on another podcast the other day, is that Ben Sherratt's going to get traded for a first and a prospect. Brett Kulak's going to get traded for like a fourth, and the team that trades for Brett Kulak is going to be much happier about that fact. And it it feels like we're talking mostly about the defense, but – there's for good reason on that, because I think all these expiring UFA deals, there's a lot of appeal there for teams looking for defensive help, especially as the season wears on and they don't want to pay, play their number one 30, 32 minutes a night because uh, they got to make it through the playoffs still after that. Yeah, I think for me, Brett Kulak is really the the market inefficiency that a team can exploit. I hate using that all the time. It's very money ball. I know we don't talk about money ball anymore. 
it's many, many years past that, but we're still kind of, you know, NHL teams are still kind of getting up to speed on that and, and sort of getting smarter on that front. And Brett Kulak is really a smart team's defenseman. Neither of these players that are, you know, you're talking about Ben Chirot or Brett Kulak, neither of them are going to be your top pairing. Well, hopefully not your top pairing defenseman. (laughs) Top pairing in Montreal, maybe not top pairing elsewhere, but, uh, it's, it's exactly like you said, the higher value is in Brett Kulak. So all Kent Hughes has to do is not trade him to, uh, is, is sorry, is, is do business with a smarter team and be like, I know what his value is. You know what his value is. So don't try and, you know, don't try and undermine us. So really quickly before we move on to our, we want to keep, are there any forwards in mind that you think would be getting shipped out of Montreal? I think someone like Cedric Paquette gets traded for pebbles because teams like veterans. Uh, if I'm Kent Hughes and I have someone calling for someone like Mike Hoffman, uh, I take that immediately. Clear that four and a half million dollars off the cap. He's not a fit on this team, at least right now. And the team can't afford to wait to find out if he can be in the next couple seasons. If someone calls and asks for him, if the deal is inoffensive, I think you take that and you just clear that cap off the books, honestly. I am in absolute agreement with you. And in just one moment, we're going to talk about the people we absolutely do not want to trade if we are in Kent Hughes' shoes. But first, Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the playoffs right to the big game in a couple weeks. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has the -the up-to-the-minute information on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live, real-time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. BetOnline, where the game starts. So... One of the things that, Scott, you wanted to talk about are the people that if you were sitting in Kent Hughes' shoes in his chair right now, you absolutely do not want to trade. In my mind, I know we said there aren't very many forwards that we would ship out at the trade deadline, but there's an untouchable on this team, and that's Nick Suzuki. I I think there are a handful of untouchables on this team, and Nick Suzuki is one of them. I think Alexander Romanov is one of them, and I think Cole Caulfield is one of them right now. And it, I keep forgetting that there's so much of this team that's on IR too. But I also like the idea of keeping Joel Edmondson as a nice stable base to uh, build around right now. Uh, we don't know if Petrie's going to be here. And we know Joel Edmondson is actually a pretty solid defenseman in his own right here. Uh, I'd like to keep him around. He's still young enough that he can be here through uh, whatever retooling happens. But outside of that, there's a lot that's fair game. But I definitely think it's Suzuki, Caulfield, and Romanov are going to be three absolutely untouchables if I am Kent Hughes going into this trade deadline. Outside of that, uh, I'll listen on pretty much anything, but that doesn't mean he. I think he's looking to actually move these players out. Absolutely. I think if you're Kent Hughes, the decisions that you have to make are, is your Armia season a blip or is it, you know, 
does it signify a downturn in his career? Uh, you know, we talked a lot about how he had COVID last year, potentially twice. Um, and then he was on the COVID protocol this year. And it's possible that he didn't really recover from that. Or maybe there's an injury that we don't really know about. We do know that his game has fallen off a steep cliff. But also there are guys like Arturi Lekkinen, which when you're talking about a smart team that's going to exploit other teams' inability to see a value in a certain player, I think those are the guys, those are the teams, those are the general managers that are going to be calling about Arturi Lekkinen. So if you're sitting in Kent Hughes' shoes, yes, you may trade him, but only if the value is good enough. It's not like a situation where you're like, I, I want to get this contract off the book so I have more room to play with or I want more cap space or anything like that. Whereas in the previous segment, you're talking about Mike Hoffman. That's a huge cap savings for the Montreal Canadiens. And that's not somebody who's in their long-term plans. I feel like when you take a player like Tyler Toffoli, for example, he is sort of, he's in the veteran core right now. He's still good enough to be to be productive to play well you know we've seen since he's come back he's really been stepping it up and and he's a player that has value on this team but not only that the younger players look to him and and uh, you know we were just talking before we started recording about how he took Jake Evans and his girlfriend or fiance uh on vacation with him uh you know he and Kat are taking you know it, it's it's a very adorable dynamic how the younger players kind of look up to Tyler Toffoli the way that he values playing in this market the way that he sort of like he puts pressure on himself to do well and produce he's a guy where unless somebody comes and, and gives you unreal return you keep it makes sense to keep him it makes sense for him to be part of this transitional period that the Canadians are going in Josh Anderson is a really funny one because I personally think that there are very few players in the league like Josh Anderson. He it, it's a lot of money. He is somebody that you know that I I love on this on this podcast. I I gush about him a lot. He's a joy to watch. He's somebody where you have to really look at him and you have to say, all right, am I going to get good value for him? And do I see him part of this core? And I think that his speed, um, his aggressive forecheck. And that's the kind of, you know, his his ability to sort of be um, play up and down the lineup to to a certain degree, I think, is uh, is valuable. So like with somebody like him or Toffoli, he's a want to keep unless you really, really get good value. In that case, you can part with him because he's not part of your young core. He's part of this transitional core. And it's possible that he might say, I want to leave because, you know, I'm, uh, he's not that old, but he, he's definitely old enough where he's like, you know, I'm, I'm sort of counting the years on my career and maybe I want to go and I want to play for a good team or a team that's a little bit further ahead in their rebuild. But it's not inconceivable that the Canadians can become good and exciting again while he's still here. And I look at this too, is that Josh Anderson does things that no one else on this team can do. They have physical guys. They have Michael Pizzetta. They have fast guys. They have Paul Byron. They have some guys who score goals off the rush and no one who does all of those things in one physical body. And I, I lean towards keeping Anderson because he is a, a thing that this team does not have elsewhere. And you keep that. And it's the same thing with Tyler Toffoli. I think that if you're going through a rebuild. And I heard this on another podcast is you don't want to go full scorched earth because if you have no one here to help, you know, marshal and help that rebuild in the prospects, you're setting yourself back. Who's going to lead if you've traded all the leaders at that point. And that's why I lean towards keeping Anderson. I lean towards keeping Tyler to And someone like Arturi Lekin, I keep just because 
they're valuable to this team. They're still young enough that they can be part of the future here and not, and they're not hurting the cap. They're not making four and a half, five million dollars. Josh Anderson is, mind you, but losing them kind of sets you back in the end. If I'm Kent Hughes, I look at this and go, Lekkonen's having a really good season playing all over the lineup with so many different people. He was great in the playoffs last year. I'm keeping that. Tyler Toffoli's come back from injury. He and Nick Suzuki, they work. I'm keeping him. Josh Anderson has come back, and he is an on-ice and off-ice leader for this team. He gives a crap, and he cares, and he wants this team to succeed. I'm keeping that. And I think that distills that. Like we said in the last segment, I don't think anyone besides Suzuki, Caulfield, and Romanov is untouchable. But I do think that Hughes has a few guys earmarked that he's going, nope, these guys are staying no matter what. Uh, I'd be interested to see if they get calls about someone like a Michael Pozzetta, though, who's really endeared himself to uh, Habs fans. And I don't so, know so much about fans around the NHL, but <laughs> you know there's a team out there looking at him going, you know, throwing the body around, scoring a couple of, you know, timely goals and going, maybe we can use some of that energy. And I wouldn't be shocked if there are calls about it. And then, then it's a tough situation because I think Pizzetta's become a heart and soul guy on this team. But if the deal's right, you really can't not take it, honestly. Right. And you want Michael Pizzetta to have those opportunities in other teams. And honestly, you know, when he was called up in Montreal, he was called up to provide a spark. And he was the spark all by himself. Unfortunately, it didn't really change the dynamic of the team, but he really put in the effort and he really, um, you know, he did everything that he possibly could to, to not get sent back down. And here he still is. And not only that, we're saying we're not surprised if, if, if the Habs get calls on him. I'm curious as to what you think about the goalies, because in my mind, I think that obviously Jake Allen is injured. There's a possibility that he will come back before the trade deadline, but it's still not a high possibility, right? It was eight weeks and that's right around the trade deadline. But for me, for my money, he's an extremely valuable player. I mean, Carey Price had to move his no trade clause in order to be available to Seattle so that the Canadians could protect Jake Allen because he's such a good idea for other teams. So like my thought on that is what do you do in that scenario? Do you just like not take calls on Jake Allen because he's still, you know, we've seen what else is out there in that depth chart. It's not pretty. I I wonder with Allen, if it isn't an in season trade and it's a draft trade or a free agency trade where uh, the Canadians look at and they see where Carey price is because without knowing where Carey price is kind of decides what are we going to do with our goaltenders here? If, Carey Price is even more behind than we thought. You can't really get rid of Jake Allen unless you are 100% sure Caden Primo can take over as your starting goalie next year. And I don't think he's proven that yet. Yes, the team in front of him is terrible, but he hasn't shown the, the consistency that we need, not that the team has helped in that regard. I think you keep Jake Allen until after the season right now, and then – when it ends, you look at a team who is going to need that. And at the uh, at the NHL draft, you go, we have Jake Allen. What can you give us? And you do one of those day one picks. Maybe he nets you a first round pick at the draft for a team who got goalied out of the playoffs, the Oilers, uh, and go from there. It, it's tough without ever knowing where Carey Price is at at a given time. I absolutely agree. And, and that's the thing is that we don't expect Carey Price to come back 
uh, too soon. He said that the next couple of weeks are going to be pivotal. It's entirely possible that he's out for the entire season and maybe he has other procedures in the offseason. I think it's not worth it for him to play in a lost season, to be honest, and he's probably thinking about that too. But the Canadians do want to know if he's okay or not. And if they do get a go-ahead and they do know that he's okay, he's good to go, that changes everything. But it still doesn't change the fact that the Canadians do not currently have a competent backup. Um, and that's something that uh, that is definitely on our wish list. Maybe not for this trade deadline. We're going to talk about this trade deadline in just one moment. But first, this is a true story that actually happened to me just before Christmas, which is the most horrible time for this to happen. But like literally two weeks before I was I had, you know, was planning to go visit my parents, all these gifts, all, all kinds of expenses come up and my check engine light went on. So I wanted to get my car checked out. And the oxygen sensor, I don't know, the oxygen sensor was just not working, whatever it was, I needed a new one, essentially. And I got quoted a price that in my mind seemed outrageous. I went to rockauto.com and it was a quarter of the price. The part was literally a quarter of the price. And that's why I'm telling you, you should go to rockauto.com for any car parts or accessories that you need. I literally lived it and I can vouch for it that rockauto.com is not only convenient, they're also not intimidating. It's literally an easy to use drop down catalog where you can enter your car, you can find your car's make, model and year, which is what I did. I didn't get asked any questions. I didn't. I wasn't made to feel like I didn't know anything about cars or anything like that. I literally did my research super easily. I was able to find the part that I needed. It was a quarter of the price. There were uh, multiple options, so you can actually choose your price, but the prices there are always reliably low and you pay the same doesn't matter where you are it doesn't matter who you are you will pay the reliably low price it's very easy to find like i said and so all you have to do is you know you can pull your phone out of your pocket and do it right now go to rockauto.com enter your car's make model and you're even if it's like a classic you'll find what you need on there and you can choose your own price uh, and all the prices are reliably low. It's not like, you know, two, three times as much because you're paying it from from like a chain store that has a limited uh, amount of stock, limited brands that they work with. And then after all that, it gets delivered directly to your door. You don't have to go out in search of it. It's so convenient. Go to rockauto.com and do not forget to say locked on sent you when they ask, how did you hear about us? Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. So, what is our trade wish list, Scott? This is my favorite part because my trade wish list is a good team. Can we my trade all the bad players in exchange for good players? If I were an NHL GM, I would simply <laughs> just take all the good players and give away all of my bad players and give up <laughs> nothing in return except for bad players. And that easy. is why, easy, if I were a GM. If I were a GM, I would just simply draft the best player in the draft without knowing where they are. But if I am Kent Hughes and I am looking at this trade deadline, my wish list is I need to clear cap space first and foremost. Mark Bergevin left this team in a very bad cap situation that uh, currently a devastating injury to his team captain and his franchise pillar. The only reason why the Canadians have not sold off basically everyone on injured reserve. There is twenty one and a half million dollars right now, not counting LTIR and not counting carry price. So uh, there's a there's a lot of decisions that are going to be made here. And my first thought is I need to clear cap out. 
and my wish is someone to buy Mike Hoffman, to be quite honest, because like we said in the first segment here, he doesn't fit this team right now. I, I think he has the talent that if this Canadians team were constructed properly, he absolutely would, but he doesn't fit right now. Uh, and my second biggest wish is I need a goalie who can make a save right now. Caden Primo, send him back to the AHL. All due respect to Samuel Montembeau, who is not getting any help from his defense. Uh, you can't have a 609 save percentage over two games. It, it's a recipe for disaster. I, I need a go- an NHL goalie who can make a save right now just to help out a little bit. And a few wins. Like, morale has to be in the absolute toilets right now. And we still don't know if they're firing the coach or not. They haven't said or done anything that makes us think they will. But not right you, now, but they've said and done some things that make us think they'll they'll, they'll get rid of him in the offseason. That's the thing is you got to build morale somehow. And you do that by at least <laughs> winning some games. I'm not asking them to go on like a 15 game win streak. I'm asking for you for a crumb of serotonin every now One and win. then. One win. And I don't One care win. if it's only over the Leafs, Senators, and Bruins for the rest of the year. If those are their only wins, don't care. Moral victories still count as victories anyways. I agree. I think for me, what I want, if I'm Kent Hughes, is in the process of clearing out cap space, which is definitely something that they need, they need prospects. I know they also want picks, right? They, they are in a low enough position um, where they're probably going to get a really good first round pick but you stock up as much as you can because if you don't use them at the draft, you can also trade them at the draft. You are also expecting not to be that great next season either, no matter what they do. I I do believe strongly in my heart that they're going to be much better than they were this season, but much better isn't a high bar. Like if they were 25th in the league next year, they're still much better than 32nd in the league. So I do think that, you know, um, there's a possibility that they'll be better, but they'll still be low enough where you're still part, you're in that rebuilding mode. So you want to stock up on picks uh, and you know that the next two drafts are pretty deep. So that's what I want. But my wish list, honestly, is some prospects to get excited about because one of the things that I've noticed throughout the season, and you and I have been watching every game, we've been covering every game, we've been talking about the Canadians five days a week. And we know from our listeners, morale amongst the fans are low too. And one thing that keeps us excited is 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 not just the Laval Rocket, but also the players that are in the system, right? You know, we consoled ourselves for two years in a row. We consoled ourselves when the Canadian before they went on that playoff run. We consoled ourselves by saying at least their prospect pool is deep. Every time we saw, you know, some experts talk about how good their prospect pool is, their depth is, and all of that, their drafting has been, we got excited. I want a little bit more of that because what's happening is that, you know, two, three years ago, it's it's two and a half years that we've been doing this podcast, Scott. We talked about, you know, two, three years from now, the Canadians are going to be good. And guess what? They're even worse than where, where they where they started. But it would be nice to get that kind of excitement again, knowing that this management group is going to put people in, in you know coaching and development positions that are actually going to get the most out of these players, as opposed to ruining somebody's rookie year where the general consensus was he was going to win the Calder this year and he has scored how many goals has he scored? Two at the H- NHL level. Two. Yes. One, two, One, I don't, it, two, it's not yeah. great regardless. Uh, and I think the <laughs> biggest thing for me is I want, I think if I'm Kent Hughes, I want my players to be healthy at this point because 
how do you analyze this team when everyone's coming on and off the IR like it's a revolving door? It's like Brendan Gallagher and Paul Byron are back and David Savard and Matthew Perot and Jonathan Drouin are out. Oh, Christian Dvorak's back, Jonathan Drouin. And it's just revolving door of injuries that we haven't had a full-strength Canadians lineup this year. So it's it's tough. Uh, I think health and then, like you said, just prospects. The Rocket are great. I wouldn't be shocked to see Caulfield down there soon. They're making a real push for the Calder. And if I'm, you know, if I'm... Uh, Kent Hughes, I I almost said uh I almost said I was Mark Bergevin, but I then look you'd at this be in and, L.A. tanning. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to that we're getting a foot of snow here in Buffalo this week, but uh, <laughs> I look at this and go, you know what? Let's load up. Let's win something here. You have guys who are waiver exempt. You can send Alexander Romanov to the AHL. You can send Cole Caulfield to the AHL. You can send Caden Primo back to the AHL. If you do that load up and, you know, give them a shot. So uh, it, I, I'm inter- intrigued to see what he says. I'm hoping they add to this pool. I'm following the athletic rankings and the Canadians are at least in the top eight right now, which is pretty, pretty Not shocking. Bad. Yeah. Considering they graduated a lot of their high end prospects out of the junior leagues and out of the AHL, at least right now. So adding to that really makes Kent Hughes future job potentially a lot easier. Yes, I absolutely agree. And so, you know, and I know there's also a limit, obviously, to how many contracts, how many players you can have under contract at any given time. But having the rights to somebody, um, I think, as well, is definitely, you know, it, it feels low risk to me because at the end of it, you either sign them or they go back to free agency if you don't want to keep them. I just I feel like loading up the cupboard and having a lot more to choose from is just so much more advantageous. I, I don't know if I'm making sense at all. I'm just saying get more prospects than you need is essentially my whole philosophy. Prospects and, and draft picks that you need, like because you can trade them. You can, you know, if, if they don't pan out, they don't pan out. But, you know, from you've got enough of a cupboard of prospects that one loss isn't really going to hurt your entire depth. If I were a GM, I would simply have all of the prospects. I don't care about (laughs) contracts. I would just have all of them because that's what I do best. (laughs) And what we do best is give you a podcast five days a week. And tomorrow is our mailbag episode. So please do not forget those of you just joining us now on YouTube. uh, If you don't know, you can send us your mailbag questions at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. You can also tweet them to us at LO underscore Canadians. That is also where you will find our Twitter account where we post uh, lots of uh, stress tweets during the games. Maybe there's gifts. There's, there's, you know, there's a lot of fun on there. If you want to find me on Twitter, I'm at the active stick. If you want to find Scott, he's at Scott Matla. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast. And if you're watching us on YouTube, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Uh, thank you so much for listening. If you like this podcast, check out Lockdown Bets, where they have been absolutely killing it lately.